So the first question that everyone, I encourage everyone to ask is like, what part of digital transformation are we focused on? So therefore, the, the strategy emerges based on that. Welcome to Transforming Biopharma by ZS. I'm Maria Whitman, and this episode is part of our series on the future of pharma's commercial model. Today, my guest is Madhavi Ramakrishna. She's currently the Global Vice President and Chief Digital Officer of Commercial at GSK, but she comes with a successful career in broadcast media. Madhvi's passion is data and technology, and in her current role, she's at the forefront of adopting analytics to drive the business. Madhvi, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Maria. So glad to be here and uh, so happy to be chatting part of your Transforming Pharma Business series. There's no better person to have, Madhvi. I mean, you and I have had a chance to talk about a lot of angles of how the business of pharma could change. Uh, you have such an interesting vantage point coming from broadcast media. I wasn't uh, intending to be here after having spent uh, 16, 17 years uh, within media. But, um, you know, looking back uh, three years now, um, I, I have zero regrets. And I feel like I have found my purpose after uh, three and a half years into the organization here. That's amazing. It is a fun industry. It's an industry fraught with challenges, particularly in the data and technology side. Um, and now you're so deep in the trenches, capability evolution at GSK. Um, so I got to start with one of the hot topics of the moment right now, which is generative AI. Mm -hmm. Huge applicability across health and pharma. Um, what are you seeing? And, and in particular, in your role as CDO in pharma, you know, are, are we recognizing and capturing the potential here? There's so much it can do for customers and for patients. It's interesting that you bring this up and how this has become uh, actually such a hot topic the last uh, couple of months, uh, Maria, and, and, and probably it's because uh, ChatGPT has made it um, such a commodity version to use. Uh, we recently had a few of us at GSK come together uh, to discuss this, and you notice the applicability is, is very extensive. I'm pretty sure you know this has been you know on top of news everywhere. Um, you know one. Obviously, the wide use of AI in drug discovery and development, early diagnosis and, and detection, this is this is pretty widely known. I think the continued opportunity that remains is around the variables and sensors, et cetera. Um, and coming from media, um, when we were when we used to talk about like learning audience and understanding audience, we would talk about gadgetry and then how we can actually get more data from the the Apple watches or even the Fitbits back then. So I feel, you know, we don't do a lot. Uh, around it within pharma. So that continues to be an opportunity. In addition, of course, lifestyle patterns um, to enable timely interventions where possible. Um, and then we also know that there's not enough doctors to treat the, that many patients around too. How can we essentially leverage AI platforms to dr drive either support programs or even, you know, sort of timely intervention, providing, you know, accurate data for for the patients to, to manage the HCP schedules too. I mean, simply put, you know, the efficiency play there. Um, you know, knowing pharma, um, it also comes packaged with several regulatory and um, uh, compliance processes. There is definitely an ever-continued need to um, automate these processes to build efficiencies, uh, whether it's accelerating, um, you know, getting the medicines out to the market. And lastly, um, the customer engagement, um, you know, this is the part that I, I, I am in, in the trenches on, whether it's content production or even packaging campaign briefs. All of it becomes that much more easier with them, with the potential use of AI. Uh, I mean, personally, me, I think it's very encouraging to see how the industry is embracing the potential of AI, um, investing in partnerships where ideal, and of course now scouting for AI talent to advance these capabilities and harness its benefits. So, all in all, all good signs and and positive direction, I should say. 
Wow, so many great examples of what this is doing across the industry. I'm, I'm in particular fascinated about how some of the health systems are starting to use it uh, to support physicians, as you mentioned, even in in response to their relationship with insurance companies and CDS and so many things we're doing. On the pharma side, I'm excited to hear that you are um, seeing the potential getting worked through. What are the biggest risks for pharma in you know not really grasping all that this uh, trend could be? We've been talking about, you know, a lot about ethical um, and responsible use of AI. I mean, ethical, I mean, in its purest definition means what's right and wrong to do, right? So one is um, understanding where where it makes sense um, and then where it is right to do so. And then, of course, you know, where it is responsible for us to use these um, these technologies and trends to, uh, Maria. I mean, knowing pharma, um, a pharma industry and then how trust becomes such a big factor um, learning and then putting more time into thoughtful uh, time into understanding uh, how this might translate to when it comes to again either building or breaking trust is utmost important. That that to me um, that to me is is something that you know needs a deep discussion. Um, you know, it's again it's less of implementation of AI because it's the easiest thing to do. It's more about how do you how do you translate this into a trust factor when it comes to helping patients, helping your customers. That's one. And then we also are talking about safe um, use of AI, right? So as a result of, you know, once you've established the right or wrongs to do, uh, you know, use AI, what does it mean from a, a safety uh, standpoint? What are those implications or consequential effects? Um, I mean, to me, it, it is, we are still early on, uh, one, understanding the landscape and, you know, as the potential use of AI becomes more uh, more broadly known, um, where is it that we can start to um, start to you know, build policies or even even uh, build a framework so that we we're not we're not crossing lines that we shouldn't be right. Um, and interestingly, as we are part of this uh, customer engagement journey, uh, even the even the coming together of medical and commercial has been uh, a cause of concern, right? What what should we do to be able to not you know have this be perceived um, as a potential uh, potential concern, whether it's regulatory or even compliance, even just simple um, data exchanges or even simple collaboration uh, partnerships between the functions. Um, so these are things that I think are top of our mind. Uh, and I'm pretty sure as the industry starts to leverage this um, uh, more and more, uh, more and more will come through uh, in terms of how we can how we can put AI to good use. No, I think that's a wonderful example. You know, the medical commercial, we've been trying to bring these together for a while. And you know, I think there's an important onus on pharma to make sure that we're not just thinking as we have in the past about how these things should move forward, but really, you know, establishing what should be that new level of trust, what should be that new level of safe use and, and you know, consideration that we're still not fully there yet on AI as well. Right. Um, but we do have to we do have to kind of shake a little bit of our of our history and, and move forward ethically and responsibly. But with that new lens. So, Madhavi, you know, we talk digital transformation a lot when we discuss the model of the future, AI, large language models, that's all part of it. But but when we step back and we we talk about digital more broadly, what I'm still seeing in industry leaders survey across organizations is that very few companies can actually describe the definition of digital in their organization, which makes it hard to transform. So let's level set. Um, I know you have a definition. So can you tell us how you think about it? Listen, most often digital transformation is a term um, that we use to discuss uh, future of business models or organizational growth. And it can also mean very different things to very different organizations. Uh, to me, at its um, at its core, um, digital transformation refers to the integration of uh, one digital technologies and then 
how you apply those technologies to deliver strategy um, into into every aspect of your organization, whether it's operations, uh, processes, or even you know the work that I am I, I wake up every day and, and try to do. That's the customer engagement uh, component of it. Um, I have been I have seen this digital transformation to drive um, technology integrations, whether it is again um, embedding AI or moving to cloud or use of uh, big data or even back from high media days, internet of things. This was particularly um, about leveraging all these technologies to drive, let's say, better content viewing. Uh, and if you think of a company like um, uh, Amazon or Netflix, digital transformation for them means uh, integrations, of course, technology integrations, plus customer-centric approach um, to enhance the customer experience by uh, by what they call as providing seamless, um, personalized, and digitally enabled interactions, right? Creating tailored um, products and tailored content. Both of the above instances, obviously, we know require um, data-driven decision-making because if you aren't good with data collection uh, analyses and utilization, there won't be good insights to drive the business forward. Uh, this in itself is a form of a complex transformation that requires um organizations to leverage technologies driven by the need to understand their customers and therefore requiring um, agile mindset to change and adopt as needed. Uh, and let's not forget that we live in a world where um, synergies have become utmost important. So ecosystems and partnerships play a big role as well to stay ahead um, uh, in, 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 and then of course have the competitive advantage. So I think it's important, you know, again, depending on which company you are in, each of these things is perhaps a multi-year uh, transformation, multi-year you know, complex journey that that you're embarking on. So um, having a context and then, of course, having a definition around what exactly, what part of these things exactly are you focused on and what it is that you're trying to change and, and impact and deliver is utmost important. Again, the, the, it's an umbrella definition, but where is it? Are you talking people skills? Are you talking technology transformation? Are you talking mindset um, and, and, and change behaviors? Or, or is it something else in terms of how you, you know, fundamentally engage and, and um, connect with your customers? That's the part that I feel um, uh, gets very gray, uh, depending on the conversation that I often get into. So the first question that everyone, I encourage everyone to ask is like, what part of digital transformation are we focused on? So therefore, the, the strategy emerges uh, based on that. What I really appreciate about your definition is that almost every angle of that umbrella you're describing has a common core in we drive the business effectively. We make that transformation when we put the customer at the center. Correct. And, and you know, this is something that in our own lives we experience. You mentioned a few models, um, you know, outside of outside of healthcare. And and so it's no wonder, you know, we customers do expect that same level of engagement and experience um, at any walk of life, including from pharma. Do you mm -hmm. agree? Absolutely. And I like to quote um, uh, something like a, a Nike as a brand. Um, if you've um, ever kind of um, gone on their, uh, you know, apps um, or even their websites, everything that they do, and I think they went through a similar transformation around putting um, a customer at the center of everything that they do. And now, you know, the experience that they deliver is not is unmatched, almost unmatched, uh, in terms of one recommending the products that are, you know, fitting your lifestyle, uh, fitting your uh, behaviors, uh, fitting your sort of, you know, how you spend, you choose to spend your day in the life. Uh, to me, they they probably have have solved for this the best way possible, uh, putting, you know, the customer at the center of everything that they do. 
So you're looking at these examples, you're drawing from your own experience and your three years of observing the model within pharma. At, at CS, we're talking about the future of commercial model actually requires us to also change the internal model and how we think about the business overall. Um, so recognizing where we are, what that goal is of being centered around the customer, where do you see the biggest opportunities for innovation in the pharma commercial model? I think you and I have been in many conversations on this, Sam. Um, you know, the use of real world data continues to be an untapped opportunity. I think um, we talk a lot about it, but then we uh, we don't um, uh, match it in terms of, um, um, you know, action necessarily. So um, I, I highlighted this before to variables and then what we learn from social media and engagements, therefore, or even the communities that continue to build around, um, build around a certain brand uh, um, or even a certain you know, customer population. I I think it remains an untapped opportunity. Um, again, speaking of um, again, a, a, an example like Nike, um, you know, how do you develop a, um, a ecosystem uh, around the around your customers, or even in our case in pharma, the patients themselves for support, um, education, and we talk about adherence a lot. What can we do to possibly you know provide data or provide um, you know access to information to therefore then improve um, adherence? will go a long way, right? So none of these are actually going to yield immediate results, but but you can certainly be assured that they will create um, a loyalty around the brand, whether it's the company itself or the or the brands that that stay you know within within that umbrella. Um, promoting more and more use of insights and decision support across all functions. We always talk about data-driven organizations, but then in order to kind of pivot and and actually um, and drive those behaviors is a, is a complex journey in itself. So what can we do uh, to find those hacks, you know, make it so much more ambient through systems or or through sort of, you know, brains behind the systems to make um, data accessible and then insights accessible. And then therefore, you know, promoting um, faster decision making, it will go a long way too. And lastly, again, partnerships. I mean, they, there's absolutely no way that we can do it all, right? So what can we do to kind of, um, um, you know, leverage those, those synergies or or those um, you know in the innovation that comes from the outside, whether it's smaller startups or niche companies or ideas, um, that would that would open much more doors and opportunities. I should say. I think again, you know, keep you know, given my limited knowledge around pharma and keeping it almost um, industry agnostics, these are these are true for any industry that you live in. But particularly for pharma, I feel like these are um, these opportunities um, continue to remain untapped. I love these because they they really are barriers, right? We move slow. We like to do everything ourselves. So the partnership becomes even more critical in the future. We like to discreetly look at the different stakeholders in the system. And really, it has become a deeper ecosystem of interactions. And so the insights do get more complicated. Um, and we haven't yet found ways to really bring that together in a in a first party way in a, um, you know, and also considering the unstructured data of how we interact with customers every day in clinical, medical, commercial, you know, there's there's so much left to be done. So I can see all the things you're talking about on the table. Absolutely. And none of these are easy endeavors, uh, Maria. I mean, uh, one, there needs to be a commitment um, all the way from the top. And of course, you know, even at the grassroots level to, to, um, to have a shared goal and objective around, you know, changing and investing in these things, right? So change comes hard and change is multidimensional, as they call it. So depending on where your organization sits and and how they are um, perceiving each of these, um, it's, it's a huge commitment um, to go on this path to. You're at the helm of some very bold moves around digital transformation and driving engagement strategy in that truly customer-centric way we're talking about. So what can you tell us about your vision, what you think good looks like, and, and what it's going to take? 
And that's been my my journey last three years. Listen, for simplistically put, uh, for us, um, uh, success looks like um, focusing on what matters most um, to help our customers and eventually, of course, um, drive patient outcomes, right? We have been investing a lot of efforts in establishing a, a robust core as in, uh, as in the platform. So this is, I mean, if you don't have all those technology integrations, if you don't have all the channels in place, uh, um, it, it sort of uh, sets you back. So what can we do to make sure that, you know, those backend um, um, technologies exist for you to kind of scale up, right? So that's one area we've been, we've been investing and we've been making huge strides on. Um, we're also attempting to uh, to get very tailored in our interactions. So, I mean, the, this is, again, a continued debate in pharma, you know, is it N equals 100 or N equals 1? You know, in, yeah, anything in the direction of N equals 1 is a, is a good direction. That's how I say it. And then the data plays a big role uh, in terms of getting us there. It's not going to be a, a, an overnight shift, but then the more and more um, better we get around using, again, real-world data, you know, even the internal insights, whether it's your first-party data or even, you know, syndicated information that you get um, is it will go a long way. Um, getting better with them um, uh, in understanding qualitative insights. I mean, this is one actually. I'm I'm particularly I was particularly baffled when I came into pharma is how how underutilized um, you know the market research data goes in terms of guiding your your quant insights too. So uh, so this is another push that we have um, um, within the within the company to to get better using whether it's your product survey data or your customer survey data, or even, you know, establishing and standing up social listening, um, uh, um, um, you know, engagement, just to get better with um, customer, you know, knowing your customer preferences. Most importantly, um, also driving uh, sales service so we can promote and empower brands and markets. Uh, because a lot of this is actually uh, testing, learning, and iterating, and making constant course correction. So that is that is at the top of our, our you know, sort of uh, success criteria. And obviously, all of this requires an organization that is committed to uh, technology investments and, of course, change of mindset. Uh, and we talk about agility um, needed to promote faster and dynamic decisions. So what is that program or the um, or the uh, initiative that is needed to drive that, um, that, these, that the change that is multidimensional, whether it's tech change, process change, business change, or even just putting it all together uh, change, right? So that's where um, that's where my journey uh, has been, and then I think we are we are headed in the right direction. We we see a lot of energy, momentum within the organization, all the way from the top um, to the grassroots, uh, um, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll in a couple of years from now we'll be self sustained, and then this becomes our new ways of working. Well, I'm enjoying watching the the journey, um, and you know, one thing you said in particular, Madvi, that I'd I'd love to pick your brain about is this n equals one concept. So yeah. you have a vision towards that n equals one. It's something that I think, uh, you know, I I definitely believe in as as a forward vision for the industry. But you know, there's a lot of people who don't agree with the n equals one concept. So can you know what what's your thinking to those folks who who say, you know what, that's that's too far. We can't go there. Listen, I mean, I think um, again, let's not undermine that um, that the customers that we deal with in pharma are customers uh, for everyone else too, right? So they are the average customers of your Amazon products. They're your um, average customers of everything that you expose them, whether it's your Apple or any commodity brand, right? So you know they are pretty familiar um, uh, with consuming content, and then uh, you know if you if you don't make your your content relevant and timely, in the sense that you know you have uh, provisioned or interacted or connected with your customer at the time that matters, we, we also know that the um, impact or the outcome, therefore, is probably less likely to happen. It's the potential that you attribute. 
So to me, again, you know, the more personalized you get, um, the more connection you establish that therefore there's more affinity towards the brand or or even the messaging that you're trying to land. So I don't know if it's necessarily an option, right? It's not an option. So, the, you know, you you should constantly endeavor to to get um to to connect make more connections and ma- you make more connections and better connections by personalizing. Um, however, um, let's also not undermine the the journey it would take for you to get there, right? So this is where um, this is where the commitment from an organization how how good do we want to get in terms of personalization is 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 the part that um, I think everyone needs to sit down and discuss because it's just not about technology investments. Now you're scooping up every possible data that you can find about your customers and then co-locating it and then creating this view of a holistic sort of a 360 customer view. Um, you know, how easy or difficult it is to get there depends on how your, your um, you know, platforms are structured, how collaborative uh, your your uh, departments or functions are, and how um, how many cycles that you can possibly break to to make this happen, right? I think to me, again, it's not, a, it's not even a negotiation if you want to be personalized. You should be personalized. And you should get hyper personalized where possible. But at the end of the day, again, you know, the cost associated in terms of moving your organization to facilitate that is where probably the debate and then the um, uh, discussion exists. I, I can see that because, you know, when we look at even in just the omnichannel sphere, hyper personalization is probably only about 15 percent of companies that are that are truly committed and on that path today. Um, you know, so, so you have to have the commitment on to the where we're heading. The other thing, uh, you know, that I've been really uh, believe in and, and spouting around the commercial and operating model of the future is that we also have to break down some very entrenched beliefs about our model. Because, you know, frankly, Madhavi, I don't think it's serving us today. You know, we we are spending so much money and yet the rep centric model is diminishing in value in many cases and the path we're on from a from a marketing and a go to market strategy perspective with the kind of spend we've had is really hitting a value ceiling. So one of the more controversial things that I'm you know that I'm talking about is that um we need to think about building a customer centric engagement strategy means moving the customer relationship ownership from the rep on the ground to the organization as a whole who can truly direct an experience across channels and using those insights and data. What do you think of that? And and can we actually get there in pharma? Apple has solved for this. Um, and they, they are really good at this uh, in terms of one, um, one as a brand, um, as a company, um, having everyone recall what they stand for and then what their products stand for, right? And however, we also recall their Apple uh, products just as easily, whether it's MacBook or iPods or Apple Watches. Um, so, so to me, um, you know, the effort needs to be around how you build your core company brand and also have it connect with all the products underneath. And goes without saying, uh, in order to make this transition, obviously, you know, we all know that you need, you know, centralized customer data, robust CRM systems advanced analytics and of course you know insights you name it i think you know everything needs to be connected with everything else uh, to me again shifting making this shift from um rep to um and up to the organization there's got to be something uh, an incentive or something that drives this behavior or even even um at the very least training and empowerment uh to make those trade-offs or choices um, um, um right yeah i don't think the you know the or, the the model that exists necessarily supports that easier organic transition, right? So because the rep has always been been at the center, we're we've always been the rep led um, uh, organization. Even with um, with two years of a shutdown, we come back and just transition right back into that model. You know, for majority of our customers, even though the behaviors have changed, right? 
So clearly, um, these systems or the processes behind are not facilitating that change. This is not necessarily a uh, technology or a process change that making it harder. It's the more of the incentives. How do you, as an organization, stay committed to can again put that customer in the middle of um, everything that you do to then promote, um, you know, cross-functional collaboration, even if it's your rep being one of your channels and everything, everyone else, you know, every other medium being the other channel uh, to work on a shared goal and objective. As in, we are there to help our customer to then therefore uh, drive the patient outcome. I think, listen, um, you know, again, it, it needs to be a commitment with the right capabilities and, and infrastructure in place. It is very much achievable, um, but I certainly would not undermine the um, the efforts um, needed to stay on this path because, um, you know, again, you need a committed to sponsorship, you know, someone that's leading from the front on this and then and then incentive, incentives to to drive this behavior or even the training, constant training and empowerment to, to make this shift. Um, I don't think it's a crazy idea, honestly, but I think if we will get there. It's a question of how quickly we get there is 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 the path that we we're discussing. I think you're absolutely right. And this is where if we want to effectively change the commercial model, we have to change the organization. And you pointed to it. There's probably two major shifts we need to make in the central organization. One is there needs to be an owner and it's not the marketing of today. There has to be a, a different type of marketing, one that understands not just brand and product strategy, but also true customer engagement strategy and planning uh, in a very different way than we do it today. Um, and that can can really uh, execute along those lines. And then secondly, you've been highlighting through this whole conversation, we need a very different sophistication of insights and analytics that can help us actually then take that planning and instead of doing it against four segments, you know, truly uh, project and, and drive strategy to that N equals one level. Absolutely. What is the most important advice for leaders in biopharma listening in and considering radical changes to the commercial organization of the future? Focus on your customer. I know I know. we say this and do not take this lightly. Um, it has big rewards if you get it right. Um, and, and as an industry, um, um, when I came in, it was a bit of a shock for me in terms of um, how siloed the organization um, gets, especially with them, with them, with a global setup, multi-markets and multi-geographies, right? Uh, make the effort to break down silos where possible. Um, foster uh, collaboration between different departments within the organization, right? So this is this is something that I um, I strive to do. Um, I don't think I have, I, I have cracked it yet, but I continue to bring this at the forefront, uh, even within between our commercial medical teams or even with our compliance teams or even our clinical development teams, um, encourage open communication, um, talk about shared goals, why we exist and what is it that we do. That is, again, um, putting the patient at the center and then our customers at the center. Promote knowledge and learnings too. I mean, it's 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 amazing to see how how um, how I would say disconnected we get even in a, in a very connected world. I mean, with all the platforms that we have, uh, uh, whether it's social media or even internal um, uh, internet sites, um, information is not flowing through uh, very quickly and easily, right? So what can you do to um, to share those learnings, ideation, promote innovation um, is something that I would encourage um, um, uh, the industry or the leaders themselves, you know, who have this uh, task to focus on. Um, Over-invest in data and analytics. Over-invest. Um, create a learning culture, you know, failures are okay, mistakes are okay. And I keep saying this, everyone gets confused. It's like, there is no right decision. You just make right decisions right. 
what does that mean? Well, you know, you, based on the information that you have access, just move, you know, make, you know, don't be stuck, move, make a decision, move. And then as new information comes about, you know, if you need to course correct, course correct, be open to it. There's nothing, no right or wrong about it. It's just, um, it's just uh, as a leader, you lead by example, and then you mimic this behavior. And I think to me, um, that, that mindset of continued um, improvement, continued learning, um, again, yields big rewards, you know, in terms of your high-performing teams and in terms of the outcomes that you see, in terms of the impact that you're delivering back into the business. Thank you for that. Some really fantastic advice. Madhavi, to wrap up, here's a question I ask everyone who joins my podcast. If you could change one thing about healthcare, what would it be? Maria, I don't know if I shared that. Last year, my my mother came down uh, critically ill all of a sudden. And uh, she was on a vacation back in uh, India for a couple of weeks. And the night before uh, she was about to board the flight, she came down with um, Guillain-Barre syndrome and, um, and, uh, and, and went from, from day zero to day four um, to, to being on a ventilator. And what dawned on me again, this is the first time I probably spent uh, two months in the hospital, um, you know, trying to uh, see through her, her recovery. And what dawned on me is, the, um, is, is how crucial um, it is um, that every individual um, regarding their um, sort of socioeconomic status or their financial status or even the geography that they live in have access to um, comprehensive health care, right? Uh, the conversations that I have been in, I, I wish and I hope that no one has to go through in terms of what it is that they can pay for to access a certain type of service so therefore they can save their um, loved one or support their loved one. To me, again, building in that equity and then having access to um, access to um, uh, all services to no matter where you are, what you can afford or not, doesn't matter. Um, having a universal access would, would go a long way. To me, I think it's giving back to community too. It's doing the right thing. Well, thank you for that and, and for sharing. How's mom doing? She is, uh, full, you know, fully on her recovery path. Uh, she was, uh, you know, neck down paralyzed uh, when she came down with this syndrome. But, um, you know, again, thankfully, with um, with um, a lot of rehab and support from family, and then of course you know her own grit. I have never seen my mom so uh, so committed to our own recovery path. I should say. I think that 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 shows her mental strength and her ability, and then staying committed to uh, to her own well being. Um, all in all, she's again uh, one year in. She's doing very well. Thank you for asking. Oh, so so happy to hear that. We'll be thinking of her. Thank you so much, Madhvi, for joining me today. Thank you, Maria. This has been another episode of Transforming Biopharma by ZS. I invite you to subscribe and leave us a review. And to learn more about ZS's work on the pharma future commercial model, visit zs.com slash future model. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.